Welcome to Open Hands, a podcast exploring spirituality, mental health, and the space in between. I'm your host and fellow wanderer, Sarah Nickerson. This week, my good friend Rama Friday discusses the complexity of her religious upbringing and the process of repairing her relationship with her family after her descent. She shares how she arrived at the spiritual path of Unitarian Universalism and what she carries with her from her faith of origin. Thanks for being here. Okay, so Rema, welcome to Open Hands. It's been a long time. You and I know each other from working together at Berkeley, and I am so excited to have you here today and to be able to just talk to you because this pandemic has been crazy and we haven't been able to see each other since last year. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a year for sure. (laughs) Yeah, it it was definitely an unusual one. Yeah, I was just looking at my um, Facebook memories and I saw like some kind of dance challenge that was happening last year. And I was like, this feels like it was 7,000 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Last year feels like literally, like literally I'm thinking about the fact that we are nearing where we would have been maybe like the, I guess maybe like the second, third month in quarantine. And my life mm-hmm. was so different last June than it is this June. Mm-hmm. And that life feels like a lifetime away. Yeah, time is weird. Time is weird. So in a pandemic is weird. (laughs) Well, time in a pandemic is weird and time in general is weird. Um, I just feel like, you know, there's so much that can happen in such a short period of time and we grow and we change and we mold into different people. Um, And that's one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on today because I know you and I have very similar past mm-hmm. <laughs> and have we've transformed a lot over time and through the years. Um, so if you'd like, I'd love to hear a little bit about your life growing up um, and how religion and spirituality as well as mental health um, were present in your life during that time. Okay. So um, you already know, Sarah, I was born in Trinidad and I grew up in Jamaica um my dad is a baptist pastor Mm. so uh you know it was church every sunday yep (laughs) (laughs) and i like literally i talk to my brother a lot like my younger brother a lot now about our upbringing and how we're similar and different and like none of the three of us have been to church in ages so wow yeah, so we grew up in the church. Um, so it was church every Sunday. My main social circle outside of like school friends was group fellowship on mm. Fridays. Right. Um, and then that was, yeah, that was my primary social circle. So I really grew up in the church. I got baptized. I don't remember how old I was when I got baptized. Um, based on where I was living at the time, I would say between the ages of 12 and 14. Yeah. When I first got baptized and I really tried to be a good Christian, you know, like, you know, devotions in the morning, 
praying. Um, I tried to fast once. <laughs> yeah, once. I think that's all we many of us have done. Once was enough. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like it just felt like it kind of just felt like these are the things you should do to be a good Christian. Mm. Um, so I was just doing them, and I don't know. Um, and then when I so I moved to the United States when I was 15. Right. Um, and we still went to church. Um, still the same thing. This time, though, I had, like, literally two friends in school. And so my mm-hmm. primary social life was the church. Um, mm-hmm. There were a lot of young people at the church. Um, and then we moved to Connecticut a year later. And I think that's when, like church died for me yeah. because first of all like my dad um he took on this church that he already knew and they knew that they were a troubled troubled church mm. and they had gone through like so many like pastors in a couple of years and literally they had like this big building and it would be like maybe 15 people in church on sundays wow and eventually we could see why because those motherfuckers were crazy <laughs> well crazy is an ableist term excuse me but no it's fine I, were, I understand <laughs> they were out of pocket like literally one sunday um there was so there's like a baptist like thing an organization and so somebody from that organization was there in a position of leadership and my dad had made some kind of decision i don't remember what and the people in the church disagree with him. And it literally mm. devolved into a shouting match. Oh, no. With this deacon, like, two inches away from my dad's face, shouting wow. at him. Um, And, you know, and the guy from the organization was backing up my father, and they did not care. Mm. And so, you know, like, I've seen, like, all the different things in church. You know, the gossipers, the holier than thou. Yeah. Uh, I was the fast pastor's daughter. <laughs> of course. Yeah, girl. Um, but yeah, then I went away to college and I just, not the, then I wasn't obligated to go to church anymore. And that's when I really started realizing like, man, these hymns are boring as fuck. Yeah. And like <laughs> the standing and sitting and, and what I also realized is that, um, you know, I was very particular to the way that my father preached, and I wasn't really interested mm-hmm. in the way that other mem- like other pastors spoke. And it wasn't just because he's my dad, right. but like he had like he would plan his sermons, and he would have like maybe three points, and he would try to use like. The, all the points either started with the same letter so it was easy to remember mm. or um the words sounded the same um so he really like had like it was like he wasn't up there just shouting right you know he was, was like it, yeah yeah it was very planned out it was like a, almost like a speech yeah um, yeah and so eventually at that point that's when you know i kind of realized like church wasn't doing anything for me Mm-hmm. And then that later led to religion and Christianity wasn't doing anything for me. Mm-hmm. And so I blame Reddit. <laughs> because, I love it. 
Reddit was the the atheism um, subreddit was where I found myself like scrolling through a lot of things and it really started to upend the way that I thought about God yeah. and religion. And for a while I was like really terrified of the word atheist. Yeah. Um, and I don't consider myself an atheist now because uh, I just, I would just say like, I don't believe in God the way that the Bible right. says yeah. God is and what right. God is. And right. it doesn't add up. Um, the concept of hell um, doesn't make sense to me. And mm. I think I've started seeing like a lot of people, even religious people saying that, um, you know, hell is something that was created to really scare people into, mm. you know, into being quote unquote good. Yeah. So, so that's kind of where I am now. Yeah. So at what age would you say that you really started to question and to challenge your origin of faith? I would say around um, when I was in college, so late teens. Mm. Um, again, with Reddit, it was like it was like memes, but it was like memes that like really made you think. Um, right. You know, like one meme that I, like one theme that I saw over and over, and it was funny because in the beginning I was even scared to utter the words is that like the theme in, in that subreddit was like, God is an asshole. <laughs> it was like, because like there was one theme where like he, the, the, like the, there was a meme where God was talking to an angel and the angel was asking about the different body parts. And God was like, this is the appendix. And the angel was like, what does it do? And God was like, nothing. You might just, you know, explode <laughs> while you're walking down the street. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it just started like, you know, like really making me think about, you know, like the whole concept of being created in his image just to worship him, mm, but yeah. also us having free will to do whatever we want. But if we exercise that free will, we're going to go to hell. Right. Eh, like, I would say like the basic tenets, especially of the way that Baptist faith, Caribbean mm. Baptist faith. Mm. Um, you know, really taught us about who God is and how we're supposed to live. It just wasn't, um, you know, really jiving with me. And then yeah. at the same time, I was already struggling with um, my decision to have sex mm. because, you know, I, I was a virgin and right. I was, you know, told that sex was for marriage, but I'm a teenager. Like, come on. Hormones, baby. <laughs> Like, I was, like, in this perpetual struggle, and it was for years, too, until, yeah. you know, and it was just, like, why, like, if I'm supposed to wait until marriage, like, why the fuck did you make me so horny at 18? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, so it was it was just, like, all these things, like, but, coming yeah. together, and it was, so I guess you could say it was the perfect storm, and so, like, eventually, I just... I kind of just made my own decisions and kind of went with what I felt was right for me. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that like with your parents? Like, was that something that you talked about with them? Something that caused a lot of like conflict and tension? Laughs in West Indian talk about it. <laughs> um, yes and no. So they could see that um, I wasn't, 
So to take it back a little bit for some context, um, yeah. growing up, I was the perfect child. Um, mm. I behaved well in school. Um, I went to church. I got baptized and all of that stuff. I was well behaved at home. Um, you know, all of that stuff. So it was a real, it was a, actually a very difficult shift for them. And for yeah, me. right. Because first I, when I, I had my first boyfriend, like my first serious boyfriend, um, actually one boyfriend before that, I told him that we broke up because he wanted to have sex and I didn't. Hmm. And then my next boyfriend, like I decided that I wanted to have sex. Yeah. So and somehow they knew. I don't know how. I don't care. They always know. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So they could already see, like, one, I'm not going to church when I'm at school. And two, I'm dating a non-Christian who I'm now having sex with outside of Mm -hmm. marriage. Right. And it got pretty ugly, um, you know, because, like, I'm very strong-willed. My dad is very strong-willed. So my butt heads a lot. Um, He did say some things that I think, now looking back he would regret and Mm. then eventually um it led to like as you know it led to us not speaking for three years yeah when i got pregnant and even though i was 25 so i was an adult capable of making my own decisions they were very displeased by the fact that i had gotten pregnant and i wasn't married yeah and so we like when when my child was born, I like they had sent me like a nasty like card of all oh, things in a fucking greeting card. God, my mom like wrote all this shit that was so like fucked up. And honestly, like I will never know, but I think my level of distress might have played a part in you know like my early like my child was a preemie. Yeah, because yeah. it was very stressful and. um when she was born, I didn't tell them anything because it was like, okay, you've been a dickhead this whole right. pregnancy, so now right. I'm not going to say anything. And then we just didn't talk for three years. Wow. Um, and, you know, eventually we reconnected. But I will say a part of that is because my dad has also seemed to have his own shift. Mm. And so he's not... He's still a pastor. He still preaches, but he definitely seems to have like a more tolerant mm. lens of the world. And he's right. definitely very, um, he definitely incorporates and recognizes Jesus as a social justice, um, I guess, warrior for lack of better yeah. terms. That's cool. You know, as, yeah, as someone who, you know, Jesus, as the way he's told in the Bible, um, you know, he stood up for the poor um you know he chased um you know all those rich motherfuckers out the church (laughs) um so you know like his views have definitely shifted and so now we're in a place where i guess we just don't talk about it now like and it doesn't necessarily feel like an elephant in the room right it kind of just feels like okay like this is your life this is my life we're gonna connect in the places that we can connect and just, you know, vibe with that. So like, mm-hmm. if I visit them, they'll ask me if I'm going to go with them to church. And if right. I'm like, nah, I'm going to sleep in. They're like, all right, cool. And, 
you know, like my daughter would want to go to church with them. So yeah. um, she would go with them and I would just sleep until 10 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Has that been hard with Eva, with your daughter, um, like in thinking about the way that you were raised and then maybe pressure from your parents? Like what has that kind of conversation looked like for you? You mean like with Eva? Yeah, in terms of like, you know, I don't know if your parents like put pressure on you to raise her in the faith or if there's like more respect around that or. Yeah, I definitely think there's respect. Um, I don't think they pressure her and I I really haven't said much to her. I think mm-hmm. um, some of her relatives on her dad's side are more religious and I think like she would pray before bed. And yeah. I just told her like, not everybody believes the same thing. And, you know, some people don't do those things. And that's mm-hmm. kind of just where I left it. I feel like for her, I would want her to, you know, kind of find her own journey and her own path. Right. Um, you know, whatever that is for her. And, you know, I'll give my input when it's, re- when it's requested. But it's just not something that we've like really talked about in depth, like either me or my parents with her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's also like, what's eight, six? How old is she? (laughs) (laughs) So those are big conversations to have with an eight year old. Yeah. Um, How about like now in your current life? um, Like, how would you describe like what spirituality means to you? Like, what would that look like? Yeah. So I, I knew we were going to talk about this, so I was thinking about it, like, a couple of days ago. Yeah. And um, so I had a therapist in Connecticut when I used to live there. And I think, I, first of all, I always mess it up, but I think it's called Unitarian Universalist. Yeah, the yeah. the other way around. I, I, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I don't know either, so. Yeah. But she was, uh, that that's that was her faith. And during sessions, I don't remember the context at all, but um, the, the context or the, the concept of the universe just as a being came up. And that, it just really, I just felt so like identified with that. And yeah. I felt like it really resonated with me. Mm. And so... Um, that's kind of where I stick to. Um, Yeah. You know, like, I feel like it's okay to just be like, there's things we don't know. Oh yeah, for sure. If you think about it, like the fact that we're alive, like, that shit is fucking, (laughs) I don't know how I'm alive. I don't know about you. (laughs) But just like life itself um, and the concept of like the universe and just like things in existence. Like, I just think that, um, it might not necessarily be God, um, you know, the way that I was brought up to believe, but I definitely believe in like some like kind of concept of just the universe as a being. And so that's kind of where I land and how I feel about it is just like, you know, the universe kind of, um, I have free will, but the universe, you know, kind of guides me and also supports me. So, for instance, when I did my internship where we met, I had to to quit my full-time job. And I didn't, I literally didn't know, like, how I was going to, like, 
pay my rent and you know all of that stuff i had like really big questions but to like make a long story short like there was never a time when like you know i was just like i don't got it like i paid mm-hmm. I, still, I was still able to pay my rent like every month and like i didn't miss a step and it just seemed it was so weird because it just seemed like everything just kept on falling into place and whenever i yeah. needed to move to the next step like wow. there was already the step there for me and i really feel like i just attribute that to the universe taking care of me yeah. because yeah. this is the path that i wanted to be on yeah yeah i totally that's 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 the thing i think about a lot i um like the interconnectedness of all mm-hmm. things and mm-hmm. Even just like on a on a very basic like if you were even to think about it from a scientific level like we're made out of energy so like it would yeah. make sense to me that like some energy would attract us some energy would repel us or that like energy would you know carry us down like you said the path that we're supposed to go on yeah. Um, but yeah I really I I love that another thing I was wondering as I was listening to you is is I know that sometimes people who have a really um, like strong faith of origin, like someone who grew up in a really particularly religious home. I know that some people are like totally like, I don't want anything to do with this. Like I never want to be around it again. And then sometimes I have other people say that they, there are like parts of it or pieces of it that they've taken with them or that sometimes mm-hmm. they like go back to for comfort. So I wanted to ask you that, like if there's anything from your faith, I know there's a lot of things that were unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that like you sometimes carry with you or, or go back to? Yes. So, and this is actually something that I only recently discovered. Um, and it was so weird because this is something that I've, so it's the concept of stewardship and Mm. like, I haven't heard anybody talk about stewardship for decades. So when this started resurfacing in my mind, it was really strange. Um, so uh, in church, stewardship is just a concept of, you know, not necessarily giving back, but kind of like using what you have to do good and to help others. Right. And so, um, you know, I recently, like, I'm very stable at this point in my life. Yeah. And so I recently graduated from, uh, you know, Fordham with my degree in mental health counseling. Woo. Yeah. After four fucking years, you did it. I finally did it, and I didn't have a damn graduation because of COVID. I know, but um, you know, uh, so because of COVID, I didn't want to start my my new career, you know, with all my clients being on video instead of face to face. So, uh, I still kept on working my accounting job, but um, some things happened in my life where I. I'm now like really financially stable. And so now this concept of stewardship just, you know, kind of started resurfacing in my head. Mm. So now that I'm not in school and I'm not like wondering how, you know, I'm going to make my ends meet because I can't work full time. Now is the time where I, I got to kind of rest in the pandemic. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I wasn't like commuting and my kid was home and, you know, like, Fortunately for us, we were fairly insulated from right. the stressors of the pandemic. Yeah. So now it's kind of like I just like have this need and this drive to use myself, my my talents, my resources to kind of help other people. 
mm-hmm. in the way that, you know, I feel like I'm meant to do. Right. And it's so weird because, like I said, I probably haven't heard about the concept of stewardship since I was living in Jamaica. Right. Which was like 2013, 2014. Right. So even now, so like I said, I'm working my accountant job and like the universe is sort of like, okay, like it's time. You need to, yeah. you know, like you got your vaccine. Like people are being more vaccinated. We can go outside all of that stuff. So I'm actually feeling this pull, like yeah. to let me know that it's time to do what I was meant to do. Yeah. And it was so funny because I recently took a trip to New Orleans and um, I was staying in a hotel room with my sorority sister and we like literally had like an impromptu like therapy session. Right. Um, based on like the conversation that we were having with her and just by you know, like listening to her and responding to what she was saying, she um, shared something that I'm pretty sure she's never shared with anyone ever in life. And, you know, it was just weird because, you know, I went to New Orleans to like yeah. partied up. Yeah. And we're in a hotel room and she's crying and I'm like having a therapy session with her. Yeah. And I was like, all right, universe, damn, I know, like. <laughs> I yeah. have to get back to what I'm supposed to do. So I would say that's the one concept that um, really sticks with me is just the idea of, like, I was put here on this earth for a purpose. And, like, it's almost like the parable of the ten talents, if you've ever heard yeah. of it. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. So the guy had one talent, and he, like, talent was the money, and he used it to like do good and then this other guy had like 10 talents and he buried it in the ground and Jesus or whoever was not pleased with the guy who buried it so it's just like I just feel like I'm not I'm not supposed to amass and hoard what I have it's meant to share with others yeah I can totally relate to that because I feel like that has also been the lesson I've been learning Mm -hmm. because for me I feel like I and, and maybe you can relate to this too. Like I can be so afraid of myself, like mm-hmm. afraid of like stepping forward, afraid of taking risks, afraid of challenging myself. Mm-hmm. And I think like traditionally I've, I've worked or been in places where I could kind of, I kind of like could underperform, like where I like mm-hmm. wasn't really using my full gifts or I wasn't really using my full talents. Um, and what I've like noticed recently was that I started to just get really depressed because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, I just feel like I'm not living up to my potential, but then I'm also afraid to live up to my potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and like last week I made a decision to um, basically to like to to move forward. Uh, and as soon as I made that decision, it was like all of these things started opening up. And I just think that's mm-hmm. so – it's like so crazy mm-hmm. because forever I was just like nothing's happening. Like everything's like stagnant. But I also internally was being like, but I'm afraid and I'm not sure I'm ready to take that step. And it's like once I consciously made the decision, it was like the universe sort of like rose to meet me in that space. So I like mm-hmm. that's so I, – and I love that you're talking about that right now because <laughs> it's like another – um, you know, sign and, and example of like that being reflected back to us. But yeah, I totally agree with that. It's like, um, it's just cool to see the ways in which things can open up if we're uh, like turning in towards ourselves and, and towards what we're supposed to be or who we're supposed to be. 
Yeah. Um, there's this quote, I think it's attributed to Nelson Mandela, but I'm not sure if it originally came from him. But it's this long quote, and you might know it. It starts off like, your deepest fear is not. Yes, yeah. So there's a part of that whole, like, paragraph that says, you know, it talks about you being afraid or, you know, like, living small. And it's like, who are you to to live small? Like, Mm. you have, like, all these talents and all these things. So, like, it's like, who are you to just kind of, like, shrink inside yourself and not, like spread your light to as far as you can and yeah it's yeah. definitely it's definitely been a shift because like you know like i i, I was an accountant i'm still doing accounting yeah. now yeah it's a big shift <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's been like such a big shift um to talk about like taxes and financial statements to just being able and and knowing that i have the capability to just have this presence to sit with someone and they feel soothed and they feel Mm -hmm. comforted and they feel like they can like be themselves and share like things that are like maybe very deep or like really painful. And like, can you imagine like me just going back to like doing journal entries and bank reconciliations when I know that just, I can just (laughs) sit with someone and help them heal. Like, no. So yeah. Yeah. How do you know, like, what what internal signals happen for you when you know that you're following your highest purpose? What does it feel like? It's a couple of things. Um, first, I feel like I'm really being me. And I don't know how to explain it, but I think, like, the biggest, I think the biggest, like, difference or the biggest, like, memory I have of that is like one time I was like sitting in class and this was like not one of the more exciting classes so it wasn't like you know the the fancy topics like diagnosis or like whatever that you know we're, we tend to be more interested in when we're in school right. it was like program development but um even though it was not the most fun class like I was still so engaged and like my brain was just working. Like I was like firing off all these thoughts and ideas and, you know, like just being the shit generally. And then I could, and then because I was still working full time at that point, I believe I could compare it to how I felt at work. Right. And the way, the way my brain was working in class is the way I see my boss's brain working when she's at work. Yeah. Because my brain did not work the same way at work. Like for a long time, I, first of all, I thought I was a shit accountant and I thought I was not smart because Mm -hmm. it was just not the environment where I felt like I could be the most engaged and interested and productive. Right. So that was one, like one thing that I really noticed, like, um, I was able at that point in my life to compare how I felt when I was engaging with my potentially new career with my old career. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the second thing is like, it was actually at the, at the internship. So we had winter break and then I came back and I had a session and 
it felt like I was back on the baseball field, like hitting a home run, like nothing. Yeah. Like I just didn't miss a step. Yeah. And you just, it's just like a different feeling. Like I, I'm into my body, like I'm mm. grounded, like I'm engaged with the person. Yeah. I just, it's like this stillness, like, like when you're at your, like when you're in your groove and you know, so that's something that I've definitely noticed. And then also like the feedback that I've gotten from like you and other people yeah. about, you know, how they feel when they engage with me, um, you know, on a therapeutic level. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really um, affirming. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, you know, I mean, I know this is like kind of like a cliche quote, but quote, but they say like, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. <laughs> Not oh, to no, say that, that shit you know, is work. <laughs> I know, it still work. Like you're like you're yeah. still, but there's also like a sense of like mm-hmm. the way I heard someone describe it is like you're tired, but it's like a good tired. It's not yeah. like a it's not like a, a stressed like anxious mm-hmm. tired. It's like I did good work today. Like I used, you know, the skills that I have, the talents that have been given to me, mm-hmm. and there's also just like a feeling of like fulfillment. Like yep. you know, just like feeling really buoyant, and and um. And I think that's so important because, you know, so many people obviously in the world feel like they have to go to these careers where they're making a lot of money or they're like doing something that's really financially stable. Um, And I think that's like another rule of the universe is that if you're doing something that you love, like things will just, they come like, you know, there's still tough times and hardships and obstacles, um, but that there's like more of an opening or a way for us to feel more like ourselves in that space. So yeah, I'm so happy for you and I'm excited to kind of see like what doors keep opening for you as you step more into this gift that you have. Um, Cause yeah. it really is a gift, Rayma. Like, and I know that you and I would talk a lot at work, but mm-hmm. you know, you've been through so much shit. Yeah. And that space that you've been in allows you to sit in that space with others from a place of understanding, not just like a place of trying to help, of like, but of true, like, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I get it. And, and to be able um, to have watched you grow in that space too has been like a really cool privilege for me. So I know that you're going to, you know, be great out there and, and do some really amazing work. And I'm excited to see uh, what that looks like. Yeah. Thanks. I'm excited. I'm also terrified. <laughs> I know. I know. That's the other thing people don't talk about. I'm like, just because you're doing something, you know, you're supposed to do doesn't mean that you're not scared. Like you are scared, like you're terrified. Like people are always like, oh, if it's the right decision, you'll feel like at ease. And I'm like, I think you'll feel a sense of peace. Like you'll know that it's the right decision, but you're still, that doesn't mean you're still fucking scared. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) People don't talk about that. I'm like, no, it's scary. It's really scary. It's scary. Yeah. And I can't even like name exactly what is scary about it, but I think I know for one, like, having like had an accounting career for damn it's 2021 um uh like 13 years you know and like i've been doing accounting classes like literally since i was in like maybe uh 10th grade yeah so i've been doing this like almost like the majority of my whole life right so to think about like being brand new yep. <laughs> in a career at my big age <laughs> it's yeah. like like that definitely is like a little terrifying um 
I think that might be the only part. Like, you know, I, I probably will have the first day, like, jitters and all of that. Of but, course, yeah. You know, like. You got to push through it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you? So the first day of my internship, I was late because I had, like, the anxiety shits. Oh, I've had, I've been there many times. Oh my God. I was so nervous. And it was to the point, like I was, and you know, like being late and oh my God, I was so terrified, but you know. No, I I feel like everything I've ever started in my whole life, I always end up having like a really terrible experience at first, but sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm just grateful for that because I'm like, well, at least I got the worst out of the way. Yeah, and um, you know that you can survive and tolerate that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing is like I think that, you know, at least for myself, I have to remind myself that like I I can survive being anxious and fearful. And if I if I do, then I'm going to get to the other side where it's rewarding. Mm-hmm. So I have to just really push through that discomfort mm-hmm. and remember that that isn't – that that's not a forever feeling. Yeah. Um, it is a forever feeling if you don't do the thing that you're afraid of because mm-hmm. you're just constantly going to live in fear of it. Yeah. But if you do the thing that you're afraid of and you can really sort of work through and ride out the fear, then you'll get to the freedom on the other yeah. side. But you have to like be re- really willing to sit in that space, which is like so fucking hard sometimes. Yeah, the discomfort for sure. Yeah. Wow, Rayma, I'm so glad that you were on here today. It was so encouraging and uplifting and just like gave me a lot of energy and joy. Um, and, you know, you already know that I think you're a wonderful therapist and I, you're going to rock it out. But you truly do have a gift and um, especially a way of just making people feel safe and heard and valued. And so um, I'm just so glad that I have been able to know you in this space. And like I said, I'm excited to see what happens for you next. Thank you. I'm like I think about and I talk about you like I think I mentioned you to my therapist and I was like I feel like we're like like soulmates in like oh yeah oh yeah in the non-romantic way it's just yeah we're just so aligned so and I feel like that was also of the universe like oh totally yeah you know putting us in our in each other's path so soul sisters soul sisters for life All right. Well, Rima, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too, Sarah. Talk to you later. Bye. is produced, hosted, and edited by Sarah Nickerson. Theme music is by Sleeping at Last. You can find Open Hands on Instagram at Open Hands Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and be well.